Hi there, and welcome to the Pearls from My Mom podcast. Every mom has special pearls of wisdom she passes on to her kids. In this podcast, we'll be talking about those pearls of wisdom, as well as the life lessons that our moms have passed down to us. We will be sharing to keep the legacy alive. Hello and welcome to Pearls from My Mom, the podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Hutt, and today I am here with Sarah Jampo from MaternalEssence.com. Sarah is an author, a motherhood mindset coach, and a mother of four herself. And actually, in a first for Pearls from My Mom, the podcast, she is baby wearing right now, which means that she has one of those, one of her four beautiful children in a sling on her back. So if you happen to hear any background noise, as we all know, kids can be a little unpredictable. So that's what's going on there. Hey, Sarah, welcome. How are you? I'm well, Jesse. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to help you tell your mom's story. This will, this should be kind of fun, kind of therapeutic. We might shed some tears. Who knows? I'm happy to be here. And I agree. It will be all of the above. <laughs> Super. So I know you wanted to, to talk with us about your mom. And so let's just, let's get right into it. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who your mom was, what she did, anything that you want to share with us? Sure. My mom's name was Debbie Shapiro or Deborah Shapiro officially. She went by Debbie and that's actually her married name. Her her maiden name was Deborah Grinker, but that's kind of irrelevant. She was born in Oceanside, New York in Long Island. And her mom was actually the first of all of her siblings to have to be born in the United States. So that's kind of interesting. But my mom, according to my grandparents, was the little girl who always brought all of the neighborhood children home with her to feed them, to play with them, to make sure they were okay. And that kind of led her to a life of doing the same. She was a social worker. She worked in an elementary school with young children And she was very passionate about her work and helping people and making sure that everybody's heart was kind of full and and happy. And she never saw any recognition for the work she did. She did it because it it filled her with joy to know that she was helping others. Oh, that's awesome. She sounds like she was like a really wonderful caretaker type personality. Yes, yes, she certainly was. Oh, that's nice. Now you said she worked in an elementary school. She didn't work in your elementary school, did she? No, not in my elementary school, (laughs) in a different school district. (laughs) I always thought that would be like either cool or traumatic if your mom worked in your school. I'm not sure which one it would be, but. Right. Some days you would want her there and other days you wouldn't, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that, that makes total sense. So she was a social worker, and I know that you you ended up getting an advanced degree in social work. Is that what inspired you to do that? For sure, for sure. Seeing who she was and how how our home was and how we were always giving donations to other people and always making sure that everybody's basic needs were met so that they were able to even think about the state of their their heart or their you know their wellness and that that led me also to a life of service. When I finished undergrad, I was a volunteer with the Peace Corps in the Dominican Republic and then decided to get my master's degree in social work, kind of following in my mom's footsteps because I saw the beauty there is when we are able to relate and help other human beings. Oh, wow. I, and 
And so I'm sure that she would have been, I'm sure that she's really proud of you or would have been really proud of you, um, would be really proud of what you're doing. And so she never got to see you, you know, fulfill that, you know, become you walk in her footsteps and even, you know, even what you're doing now. So how long has she been gone? First of all, I guess. Yeah. My mom died just nine days after my 18th birthday and I just turned 37 in June. So it's been 19 years, which is, is sometimes crazy to think about because it feels like it was just yesterday that I was with her and other days it feels like I never even had a mom. It's been, you know, more than half of my life without her. And it's definitely funny how time is really an illusion that can play tricks on us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. So, I mean, I guess since she never got to see the work that you're doing, does that sting for you a little bit? Or do you know, do you feel like that she's, she's with you all the time? Or how did what's your relationship with her now, I guess, after she's passed? Yes, I do try to continue to maintain a relationship with her. Oftentimes when I'm, you know, kind of doing my, my wishes, my prayers, my thoughts, my desires that I hope to manifest, I talk to her and I I'll sit in meditation and try to connect with her because I believe that, that human beings, we are energy and I, I don't really know what happens to us. I don't know where we come from. We understand sperm and egg is the science, but what about the other part? So I, you know, I don't have the answer to those questions. And I believe that a relationship can be a real relationship, even if it's happening one-sided. So I continue to speak to her, to seek advice from her and wisdom and also, you know, sometimes comfort when I, when I need it, I'll ask, like, I would like to see a a little bird, you know, have a little bird pass by me. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't, but it's, it's interesting to kind of play with, with the energy of, of who she was or who she is and how I can still relate to her is kind of a fun thing for me to believe that somehow and in some way she's still present in my life and I continue to to live like she she's here I mean obviously she's never met my husband or my children but I believe that she's she's with us in some form Mm -hmm. yeah I can totally see that and that's like my mom's only been gone for two years and so I'm still kind of in the throes of trying to figure out what my relationship is with her but a lot of the people I'm interviewing you included you know, she's been gone longer than that, like 19 years for you. And the fact that you say that you still continue to maintain that relationship with her, I think that's, that's hopeful to me. That gives me a lot of, you know, joy knowing that I'll still be able to to keep a relationship with my mom for many years to come. So I'm glad to hear that. Yes. Yeah. Now, what was, so now we know what your relationship's like with your mom now that she's gone. What was your relationship like when she was alive? Well, I would say that we were truly best friends and truly worst enemies. <laughs> because <laughs> I think that's pretty that's pretty sums it up for for a lot of moms and daughters. Tell us why. Yes. Um, I loved her so much and treasured her and learned so much from her about what it means to be alive and a human being and a contributing member to society, but also you know, she died right after I turned 18. So I was a teenager kind of figuring out who I was and what my role on this planet was or how I was going to be. 
in my life. And sometimes I saw her as my, my sister, my friend, and other times she was my enemy who was holding me back from being able to experience, you know, A, B, or C that I thought was the normal, you know, experience that a teenager should have, or, you know, that, that her being sick somehow made it hard for me to be me, which it took a lot of years of, you know, self-discovery to really find where the separation was between us or where the connection was, because it's, it's hard when your mom is sick, like your role sometimes reverse and you're taking care of her when, you know, she should quote unquote be taking care of you. So it was definitely a, not love hate because it was always love, but it was love and we need to work on it type of a situation. Oh, for sure. Well, that's kind of how, I mean, love is, love isn't always, you know, rose colored glasses, right? Like there's, there's different in any kind of love. So I think that makes perfect sense. And I think that's something that a lot of our listeners can relate to. So thank you for sharing that for sure. Now you mentioned that she's never met your husband. She's never met your kids. So tell us, why did you want to tell her story? Is it something that you want to try to leave a legacy for people to remember her or? Yeah, I think that it, when we, when we continue to talk about someone that they still, they, they live on. And I think that because she was so kind hearted and so loving that it's an inspiration for all of us to, to remember that we, we can also be, inspirational and loving to even if it's to our children and our family or even just to ourselves it's hard enough to find a relationship with ourselves so that's what what I think is so important is to know that um she really understood life and she really lived it and she really valued people over things and she really just just helped everyone that she could and I, I, I think that's something that's worth noting. Oh, for sure. You've got your little one there. Sorry. <laughs> She's nursing now, so hopefully she'll be content for a little bit. I get it. We're, you know, most, most of the people that listen to this are probably moms and have some, some kind of idea of what it's like to be in your shoes. So not to worry don't <laughs> at all. Um, do you guys talk about her often with your little, I mean, do you, how do you keep her memory alive for your children? Do you, do you share pictures with them? Do you talk about her quite a bit or? Yes, they've seen pictures. There actually, we used to be one on the refrigerator, but someone took it off while they were playing with the, you know, the alphabet and the animal magnets. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I talk about her. I tell them that, the ways that they remind me of her because each of my children is unique and it seems like carries a different part of her inside of them. And um, yeah, we, we, we talk about her. I tell them how I'm sad that they never got to meet her and you know, they don't, I don't know how much they understand of that. My oldest is nine and a half, but they'll, they'll ask me things about her and I'll share whatever I can to let them know that they're they're a part of her you know they came through me and I came through her mm-hmm. I think that's really important and it, it's a tough concept for kids at that age to understand you know it's it's pretty foreign to them so I get right get, so let's get to the, the whole entire point of pearls for my mom is for women to be able to share well it's not just women men can too but 
up to this point, it's only been women, um, but for people to be able to share, you know, stories about their moms, any favorite memories. Is there anything that sticks out in your head as being like a favorite memory, something that you guys did together that, that you kind of will always treasure? Um, I think I'll always treasure our last interaction that we were able to have while she was still able to speak. And it was um, the night of my high school prom. And the actually the last time that she opened her eyes and was able to speak was when she saw me in, in my prom dress and told me that, that I was beautiful. So that's certainly a memory that, you know, makes me happy and sad at the same time, but something that's so beautiful and I will treasure it always and and once once she knew that she was dying we had so many conversations about life and the meaning of life and how to live a good life and and i treasure those conversations more than anything in this world because i feel like that was the wisdom that she was able to share with me and that's what's helped shaped me and to become the person who who i am Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I think that's a beautiful story about, you know, her being able to tell you that you're beautiful. I'm sure that those are, that sticks in your mind and, and you have that forever. So that's amazing. Um, now you mentioned that you had to be a, a, somewhat of a caretaker to her. So had she been, was she sick for a while? Yes, she was sick on and off for 10 years. So she was eight, or excuse me, I was eight when she was first diagnosed with breast cancer. And Mm -hmm. I don't really remember all the intricate details of, you know, when she was sick, when she was well. But I do know that there were times when, you know, I would have to help bring, you know, do a, a task that usually is reserved for or the mom in the house, whether it was taking care of my younger brother or something in the home that I felt like maybe I wasn't necessarily prepared to do. But, you know, as I'm raising my own children, I kind of see maybe it was just normal childhood, you know, things that you're kind of expected to do to help in the home as a child. But when I was younger, it felt like I was doing a lot to kind of maintain the the flow in our home. Mm-hmm. That had to be pretty complicated feelings for you. Like I'm sure at some points you were happy to do it and some points it was, I wouldn't say resentful, but like you felt like you were missing out maybe a bit of your childhood or. Of course. I I mean, I still, yeah, no, I still had, you know, the typical childhood. I did dance and all kinds of activities. I did activities in high school and, you know, I was still very involved in life, but sometimes my mom couldn't be there because she was in bed sick or she was in the hospital or wherever she was. So I guess that's more where I would hold that resentment, but where it hurts the most is that she kind of missed out on some of the parts of watching me, me grow more than, you know, like that I had to run the whole house or take care of my brother. That wasn't really what was happening it was more she couldn't be there because she was ill and that made me feel sad or that I wasn't loved as much even though I knew the reason why she wasn't there was because she was unwell sure we can't help our our feelings and I think those are all totally legit super I mean like you know that I think that makes sense so um now you mentioned that you had 
conversations with her because you know you said that you knew that she was dying um so you had some conversations so so the whole goal of pearls from a mom is to kind of share those pearls of wisdom that she gave you so is there any specific pearls of wisdom that she gave you that you carry with you or so, like the way that she lived her life or what would you say her best advice to you? sure i would say her best advice to me um that anyone can apply into their own life is to 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 be yourself and to honor who you are and to not try to be anybody else because you know it's easy we're social creatures to look look up to other people and try to emulate who they are but her her best advice was just just be you even if you're unique and different and you know you don't go along with the mainstream like if your thoughts are a little bit outside of the mainstream to be yourself and most importantly was to love it to love people you know she she didn't see that human beings i mean she saw obviously that we're all different shades of skin tone and that some of us are tall and some of us are short and some are fat and some are skinny but none of that mattered to her she said when you look at a person you look at their heart and that's what matters so i think that's really wisdom that applies to to everyone and how to be in life is to to recognize we're all in this together even though sometimes it may not feel like it and that what matters is what's what's on the inside. Oh, I think that's a wonderful message and I think it shows that that's how you've chosen to live your life with with the work that you do so I think that that's, that's amazing. And you know, so you said it's been 19 years since she's been gone. So how has the grieving process been over the course of the last 19 years? I don't know. I'm sure, you know, like I know it's different for everybody, but do you want to tell us a little bit about maybe things that have gotten you through or just, sure. you know, what it was like? Sure. So when she first died, um, two months later, I went away to college. <laughs> so it was crazy. And I, you know, I was, there and trying to figure out how to even breathe again or how to be. And I was uh, four hours in, away from my dad and my brother in a different state. And I was, you know, I was not even depressed yet. I was still like just living in this world that I had no idea of how to make sense of it. And I started drinking too much alcohol. And it was, you know, it led me down a path of, I just didn't know how to care for myself anymore, or even how to be alive. Like I just wanted to numb all of the feelings of, of missing her and not knowing how to really go on with life. But I was going on because here I was at college. So that was the start of it was really just trying to numb and not deal and pretend that things were fine and live a normal life. And after my first, I finished my first year of, of college. And then in the second year, I did the first semester. And then I called my dad. I was like, I'm going to break down. Like, I need to take a break. I need to breathe. I need to figure out, you know, I need to grieve. I need to have time to figure out what's going on. So I took the second semester of my sophomore year off. And I was home and I was working as a lifeguard. And I was in counseling and really trying to put the pieces back together. And then after that, that initial first round of grief, let's say, 
I transferred colleges and I was able to go to a different school and I somehow thought it was very important to graduate on time. So I took summer classes and I did graduate on time. And, you know, I was okay. I wouldn't say I was still feeling like as depressed as I was when she first died or, you know, when I initially hit the depression, but I wasn't really living from my heart yet. So after that, finishing college, I moved, excuse me, to live with my uncle in Colorado. And I worked while I was there and kind of enjoyed. And then I said, okay, I think that if I'm going to feel better, I need to contribute. I need to do something where I'm helping others. And that's when I applied to be a Peace Corps volunteer. And I was accepted and I was a volunteer in the Dominican Republic. And one of the women in the training, in the, uh, the volunteer training with me, was a yoga instructor. And she would lead the volunteers who were interested in yoga every morning before we had our training classes with the Peace Corps. And that is when I would say, in those two years that I was there and my first exposure with yoga, I was able to grieve. I read so many books. I did yoga. I journaled. I really went inside to figure out how am I going to be an adult and a contributing member to society, a functional human being without my mom? I feel like that was the time that I was really able to sit down and take the time to grieve. So that's when I would say I had my biggest, you know, growth in the grief process. And since then, which was, I left in 2005, so we're still talking a long time ago, it's been up and down. And the work for me of grieving is, is internal, and it's figuring out more of who I am and how she impacted me as a person and the role that that plays with me. And, you know, some days I cry because she didn't get to be with my children and hug them and love them, and she doesn't get to see me as a mom and a wife and, you know, a contributing member to society doing something that, that fills my heart and also helps others. So that is an ongoing process. And I think grief is, is ongoing like that. And sometimes it feels like I never had her and I'm okay to go about my day. And sometimes it feels like she just died and I've been punched in the gut and here we go all over again. But taking the time to just honor that and know that it's okay to feel those things and to, you know, I don't have to drink alcohol like I did when I was 18 to push those feelings away, that I can express them. And, and sadness is a valid and really a beautiful emotion and anger and all of these things that sometimes we think are, are negative and holding us back are really our stepping stones to growth. Oh, for sure. I think those are really good words for people to take away. So is there any nugget of advice that you have for somebody that's going through the, the grieving process, whether it be, you know, two years like myself or 20 years, you know, what, what would you tell somebody about the grieving process for them? Yes, I would say that the grieving process is certainly not, not linear and to just be gentle with yourself and allow yourself to feel whatever it is that's coming up because there is no right or wrong when it comes to our human experience and the emotions that we're feeling. And it, and also I think it helps to have 
a support system. So whether that's a best friend, whether that's a journal, whether that's a pet, whatever it is that where you feel totally safe to just let everything come out. Like what is your outlet? What is your safe place where you can can grieve because life is complicated and challenging and not having your mom around, no matter what your relationship was like with her, takes away a piece of, you know, your ability to stand firm on the ground sometimes. And so finding a way that you can learn to to honor that and to be gentle with yourself and to find new ways to stand firm, I think is the best nugget that I have to share is that be gentle and, and honor yourself. Oh, I think those are really thoughtful words and I, I appreciate those words and I'm sure that our listeners will too. So thank you for sharing that. Um, just to tie it up, is there anything that you wish that you could say to her? I mean, I know it's been 19 years or, I mean, I don't want to say regrets, but is there anything that you, you know, you want to share with us that you feel like you wish you could, you wish you could share with her? Um, I guess I just wish I could tell her that she did a great job <laughs> that, you know, her, her sacrifice and her fighting was worth it. Mm-hmm. Well, it shows in you. I can tell you that um, with the work that you're doing and with the type of person that you are, I think that she would absolutely be proud of you. So I think that that, that is definitely something to, to feel really good about. And I'm sure you know that too. So you, you don't need me to tell you, but just from, just from talking to you, I can tell that you're a really good person with a really good heart. And I think that that, that stems from her. And, and I know that probably would make her proud. Um, well, thank you, Jesse, for your kind words. <laughs> for sure. That's what we're, we're here to just support and, you know, help one another for sure. For sure. That's the only way that life makes sense really is if we do it together. Hmm. And so she inspired your work with, you know, like we had said, social work, but now let's give you a chance to talk a little bit about Maternal Essence, which is the, the company that you've started, the website that you've got going on. Tell us, tell us what you do, why you do it, how people can get in touch with you if they want to. Yes. So I started my business, Maternal Essence, after I had a major vertigo attack. My youngest was 10 months And I woke up one morning and my world was literally spinning in circles. And I got to that place because in my effort to be a good mom, I was doing more and more for everybody else and totally neglecting myself. And I realized I can't be the only one who's, who's doing this, who thinks that like in order to be the quote unquote good mom, they have to sacrifice their well-being. And I said, it's time. I'm a yoga instructor. I have all these tools. I know what can help people. And it's time to put, put that message into the, to, into the universe. So what I do is I've created, I wrote an ebook first. That was the first thing that came from the experience. Once I was well, I said, okay, I've got to start one, taking care of myself and two, taking care of myself and also sharing the healing that has helped me get up until this point, you know, until I had my vertigo. So I put together the ebook, which has simple mom approved practices. You know, you can implement them in just a few minutes a day to help moms put themselves back on the priority list and find the balance between self and mother and then what stemmed from that is I created a 90-day 
group program where we have a weekly call that we're really supporting each other with the challenges, the ups and the downs, the, the blessings, everything that comes with motherhood. And along with the weekly call, there, there are journaling exercises and quick videos that moms can watch and audios to listen to. So it's really inspired me to, to help others find the balance between caring for others and caring for themselves. Oh, that's wonderful. That's something that all moms can relate to. I mean, there's this idea out there on social media of like the perfect mom and all of that, you know, but every, right. I, I hope most people know that that's out the window. That's not a real thing. Right. <laughs> that, that June Cleaver was only a TV character. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's really, that's like amazing work that you're doing. And I, I think that that's super admirable. So it's, it's, a remote thing like anybody anywhere can can do this with you yes yes so how do they remote. find you they can find me sorry so maternal essence.com is is my website and all of the information is there i also have a facebook business page maternal essence and an instagram account maternal dot essence is my instagram handle i guess they call it <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, super. Yes, so that's where they can find me. Or if they are so inspired by hearing me on the podcast, they can always email me at sarah at maternalessence.com and I will respond as soon as I am able to. Oh, that's wonderful. And that's Sarah with an H, just to be clear. Sarah with an H, yes. Sarah, with an H Sarah without an H, so I know it's confusing. Right, <laughs> right. Understand. Perfect. Well, Sarah, I super enjoyed chatting with you today. And I love the work that you're doing. And like I said, I'm, I'm happy that you were inspired by your mom. I know she would be proud of the work that you're doing. So thank you for going out there and doing that work. And thank you for sharing your story with us. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Jesse, for the beautiful work that you're doing, because it takes it takes a village and you're creating a village of of support for the moms who need it who are grieving and it's also beautiful work so thank you jesse for your beautiful work i really enjoyed my chat with sarah and i know there were a few technical issues and you know there's some baby background noise but you know we decided that we should just keep on plugging and that's motherhood and that's raw and it's real and that's what really goes down so we left that that way and i do want to thank you for listening to the pearls from my mom podcast i hope you go check out her work at maternalessence.com and contact her if you want to work with her As always, if you enjoyed our episode today, there are many ways to support our podcast. You can hit subscribe, share with your friends, and of course, leave that five-star review. If you're feeling particularly generous, you can head on over to our Patreon page and pledge a couple dollars to get some great rewards. For questions, comments, suggestions, or if you'd like to tell your own story, my email is share at pearlsfrommymom.com. I'm your host, Jessica Hott. Until next time, keep on sharing to keep the legacy alive.